Rank and File, the podcast where we attempt to rank every horror movie ever. I'm Quincy, and filling in for Ryan, who is staying in a cabin in the woods without internet this week, is good friend of the show, Kyle. Kyle, how you doing? I'm good. So Ryan's dead, right? Yeah, Ryan's dead, so this is the new format of the show. Sorry to break it to everyone. Ryan died as they lived, live-tweeting their own demise. Oh, I miss you, buddy. So, Kyle, what ghoul shit have you been into since the last time you were on the show? Oh, man, uh, very little ghoul shit, because you know I don't do that ghoul shit. Um, I have been reading a comic book, which is over that way. I read it before you, but it's over that way, called Silent Mobius, which is a Japanese comic about psychic police ladies fighting shape-changing cannibal monsters called Lucifer Hawks. Yeah, that's cool shit. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll loan you that in a second. I'm excited to read that. So I've been reading this comic called Mech Cadet U uh, by Greg Pak. Um, and it is every trope from manga and anime that I love, but also about children of immigrants uh, doing good and doing better than their parents and uh, rich kids being shitty. So I love it very dearly, and you should definitely read it. And everyone listening should check out Met Cadet U as well. Um, it's very good. Quincy legitimately teared up talking about that, so you should definitely read that book. Yeah, well, because it's about this kid, and, like, he his So Cadet U, the kid in the book, isn't supposed to be at the robot school, Um, His mom is the janitor, but the sentient robots uh, pick them, kind of like Evangelion. Um, Spoilers, by the way, for for a 30-year-old anime. The robots, his mom, Evangelion. (laughs) Yeah, but not the case in this show. So anyway, um, the robot picks him, but like the other cadets still try to treat you like... uh, He's a janitor, and his mom's like, don't pick up that trash. It's my job now. You have to prove that you you belong here, and it's very good. Um, But I've also been watching a lot of trashy movies. Uh, I recently watched The Corruption of Chris Miller from Vinegar Syndrome, so shout out to those guys for sending us a really dope movie. Uh, so the most insane part of this Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray column is the documentary on the star Gene Seberg. The documentary all but says that the CIA killed Gene Seberg because she helped out with the Black Panther Party. Wow. Yeah, so in this documentary they say, you know, Gene Seberg was pregnant and went into early labor because a scandal slander piece was published in a newspaper, and we are we believe that the CIA were the ones that chose to run the story because she helped out with the free breakfast program that the Black Panthers did. Well, you know, we also have another documentary we could, we could uh, turn to about someone getting killed by the CIA, but um, we chose not to watch that this week. Yeah, do, so... Do you think that the CIA really, you know, kills people for believing in UFOs, uh, as is in as is alluded in the documentary you're talking about, 
Or do you think that that's uh, not happening? Well, I think the tape from vid- the sorry the .txt file that came printed out with the tape I got from Video Steve certainly indicates that yes, the CIA will give you lab rat cancer if you talk about UFOs too often. But I don't think so. No. <laughs> do you think the cancer is the? Um, do you think the cancer is from the CIA, or do you think it's just from all the the Jolt colas? I think it's the ambient UFO radiation. Ambient UFO radiation. You know, those UFO rays. So um, the cat is is nuzzling my knee in a weird way. And because we're talking about spooky shit, I thought it was an alien for a second. Because I freak myself out very easily. To be fair, that's a very strange looking cat. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird Ellie cat. is a furry beach ball. Ellie is the monster from Dark Star. Just a beach ball with feet. He's constantly talking about existentialism. Ellie is the reason why Dan O'Bannon and John Carpenter aren't friends anymore. Oh, I forgive you, Ellie. Put your foot down. Uh, She's a good cat. So let's talk about the movie we got into this week. uh, Rider of the Skulls. So have you ever wondered what it would be like if uh, Zorro was Hellboy? I frequently wish Zorro was Hellboy. Because that's this movie, basically. Except also kind of incompetent Hellboy. Yeah. I, okay, so let's let's pick into that. So I love Hellboy, but I would like to argue that Hellboy is incompetent Hellboy. Like, he is the most beleaguered, I don't want to be here. He's like Dante and Clark's. He's, it's always supposed to be his day <laughs> off. Like... I think what the genius of Hellboy is, is that he just says, I guess I have to be here, and I don't really want to do this, so I guess I'll punch you. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, what's your favorite Hellboy story? I've only ever seen the Guillermo del Toro movies. Oh. That's it. Oh. I love them. Okay. I love Ron Perlman and everything he does, Okay, that's so it. I'm forcing all of my Hellboy trade paperbacks upon you after this uh, recording. Wait a minute. You have Comixology Unlimited. They're all on Comixology. You know what I've run on Comixology Unlimited? <laughs> American Judge Dread Comics, Battle Angel Alita, and I'm sure I'm reading something else I've forgotten. Yeah. Well, you know, Battle Angel Alita will, will suck you in. Uh, if Fathom sure. ever shows there, you know, I'm rereading Fathom. <laughs> oh, I started rereading Witchblade from the beginning at one point. <laughs> How does Witchblade hold up? Because um, I read a lot of Witchblade. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, Witchblade was what I would call a titty comic book from the early 2000s. You know, there's no need to be crass. Lindsay. The official genre is bad girl comic. Okay. Like Lady Death. Vampirella, etc. Barbed wire, which you brought over to my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like, Witchblade, you know, was a cop who has a magical gauntlet that turns into a sword, but conveniently rips all of her clothes off every time yeah, so she it's uses it. Magical bikini sword. Yeah, it's a magical bikini sword. So how does Witchblade age? You know, not as bad as you think. That's fascinating. So writing is okay. The artwork is of its time. The writing is okay. You know, the um, the anime series is pretty horny. 
<laughs> as as I would imagine. And um, there's an all ages adaptation by the guy that does Sunstone. Okay. Which that... is an erotic comic book, but he 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 whipped out this all ages thing called Switch, about Teen Witchblade. Okay, Teen Witchblade. I I guess Twitches was taken, so they couldn't do that. But <laughs> Twitchblade. What's well, like um, Switchblade? But yeah, shorter. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> I've derailed us. No, that's okay. <laughs> you know, I have a 50-issue run of the um, Tomb Raider comic books. And I guess what I'm asking is, is that bad? I suspect it doesn't hold up. Yeah. It, I can tell you I was not buying them for the story. Looking, I'm, okay. I'm, I've, I've matured enough to recognize that there were ulterior motives that my... Uh, pubescent self bought 50 issues of tomb raider Lara Croft. for all of us out for all of you out there in uh, podcasterville it's very obvious from looking at us which of us has a 50 issue on tomb raider and which of us has a hundred and some odd issue running into high school really i think that would be like kind of a, a throw up in the like a, a coin toss <laughs> i was gonna say throw up in the air but that's that's another thing that you would see if you went into my... I've got issues of Gold Digger, Quincy. I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> um, yeah, if you were to go to... Um... So, Kyle, I, I went to visit my mom. Um, speaking of, of embarrassing teenage stuff, I went to visit my mom recently. And uh, the last time I was over at my parents' place, I said, you know what? You can recycle all of these old magazines that are in my, uh, my old bedroom. I don't need them anymore. Uh, my mom got on eBay and said that issues of Wizard Magazine and Toy Fair are worth money and now will not recycle my old magazines, but also will not sell them so i guess what i'm asking is do you want like the first 20 issues of shonen jump and some um toy fairs from 1998 or do you know where i can unload these you know i love that twisted toy fair theater yeah twisted toy fair theater is like i don't know that toy fair humor time it is definitely a time capsule it's also not good yeah yeah almost certainly not good but it's also really fun as a time capsule to read legitimate articles that talk about um, this new thing called Pokemon that's mm-hmm. coming to the U.S. and and you know discussing Tinchi uh, Muyo with seriousness. You know, not to turn this into a podcast about comics and/or other podcasts, but um, one of my favorite comic artists, uh, Ed Pisker. Uh, Hip Hop Family Tree, X Men Legacy, or no X Men Grand Design, etc. Yeah, yeah. He's got a, a show called Cartoonist Kayfabe, where him and uh, Tom Scioli and a couple other indie artists read Wizard from the beginning oh, and shit. dig into '90s comic new releases. Yeah. Um, so, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I I really hate to talk about other podcasts on my podcast because I, I don't want form. people to like tune off but honestly why are you listening to us when that's there look ryan will be back next week if they don't get murdered so uh 
goodbye. But he's, he's but if you want to stick around and talk about third level of the cabin, <laughs> if you want to talk about cowboys fighting vampires, uh, keep listening because that's the movie we watched. Yeah. So uh, Rider of the Skulls is also known as uh, El Charo de las Calaveras. It is an episodic film. It's basically what what is it? Is it um a serial that just got stitched together? I think it's a film serial that got edited together more or less confidently, except for when the cast changes slightly. Yeah, so the movie recasts in the middle of the film. Uh the very first episode the very first of the three adventures that, that is in this movie, you meet the masked writer who's basically uh, Caballero in all black with skulls, uh, three skulls stitched on his shirt. Yeah, he's skull-themed Zorro. Yeah, and he's got a mask, kind of like a... Um, it's a napkin. Yeah, it's a napkin mask. It's a domino mask with a like a silk bandana stitched to it. And at the very end of the first one, he's like, you know, because I have these new sidekicks, I'll let you see my identity. And, like, it's this, oh, shit, we're going to see his face. And he pulls off the mask, and he's just a dude. Just a dude with, like, a pencil and mustache. And it just says, yep, this is me, and then rides away. I don't know a lot about Mexican movie stars from the 60s, but I don't think he's even a big-name star. I don't think this was a get, like, look who it's been this whole time. It's just... Here's a guy, ladies and gentlemen. Here's a dude. But they don't do that in the other two-thirds of the film. So no. there's two more adventures, and they just drop that completely. <laughs> and the little kid in the first adventure who becomes... Enrico. Yeah, Enrico just disappears and becomes Juanito. Juanito. And they don't mention it. It's like, yeah, he's the same dude. Um, and they completely change the, the casting, too. Also... Um, the Masked Rider's costume completely changes after the first segment. For the better. For the better, they improve it. I think they like shot the first one as proof of concept, and yeah. then it was popular enough they like did some pilot. spinoffs. Yeah. <laughs> and it also is very clear that they shot all three in the same week at the same location. Because it is the same abandoned village with the same rundown cemetery shot from the same angles. And I'm not sure if they're just in one cursed town or if they're supposed to be traveling and wandering. Yeah, I like to believe that it is the one city that has all of this bad stuff happening. And he's just, the masked rider is just hanging out in this town, <laughs> taking care of business. Um, but what's also great is the only other people that live in this town are just beleaguered farmers who have had enough of this bullshit like the werewolf drives everyone away the werewolf drives everyone away and in the third um vignette the uh headless horseman is riding around and the farmer that is attacked by the headless horseman just goes well it's my time and he like lays down in the road it's tuesday yeah. yeah he just lets the headless horseman chop him up so I think my favorite thing about this film is the uh, special effects. Oh, yeah. The werewolf transformation is one that tickled you. Yeah, the werewolf transformation is the werewolf who's just like a guy in a plaid shirt with very long press-on nails and uh, paper mache and fur mask. 
Then they crossfade the effect to a skeleton and then to the human in the same outfit. And they do that like five times yeah. in this movie. They've got that skeleton. Because they And they figured out how to do that effect. They rented a skeleton and they're like, dang it, we have got to use this skeleton wisely. So they they run the hell out of that. So what was I saying? So not only do we have a really good paper mache werewolf, but the second part of the movie is a vampire who is literally a man with a bat mask. Yeah, like a bat head for his person head. Yeah, and not like a Batman cowl bat mask, like no. actual hairy big nose. Yeah, like a flying fox. Yeah, flying fox bat mask. And it is... Very good. <laughs> so, basically in this movie, when this bat is killed, uh, this this vampire is killed, he reverts to bat form. Which makes me wonder, in this cinematic universe, are vampires just possessed bats? I think so, because they also point out that the werewolf is just a guy that got bit by a regular ass wolf. So, if you are a supernatural monster in whatever this weird town is in Mexico, uh, it's just the devil is just trying to find a way into the world, however. It's like the Headless Horseman gets into an argument with God. Yeah, yeah. Literally, (laughs) the movie at its climax stops and a thunderstorm occurs and the Headless Horseman just starts yelling at God for like, no... I know that I've been cursed to live forever and now I've got to die, but like, let me get my revenge first. And then there's like a one way conversation where everyone else just kind of looks at him weird. It's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Do we need to like leave you two alone? He specifically says, I don't want to be at peace. I want to do crimes. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I could be at peace as a ghost, but instead I think I want to be a criminal. It's also a universe where you can't shoot the monsters at all, despite repeated attempts to shoot the monsters with a, with a gun. But fist fighting them works extremely well. Yeah, and the judo wrestling moves in this are great. The Rider of the Skulls is a very skilled uh, combatant. Yeah, just getting into fist fights with increasingly dangerous monsters. You know, like trying anyone to judo does. throw Dracula. Yeah, like anyone wants to judo throw Dracula. <laughs> they do consistently fight only European monsters. Yeah. Which maybe represent colonialism. We could, in fact, say that this is a movie that is making a subtle dig at uh, colonialism and like Anglo- Angloization of Mexico. Because the Rider of the Skulls is a very, like, I guess, Mexican-dressed person. Like, he is... Yeah, he's coded as, like, the man's man, caballero. Yeah. uh, Very much into, like, the scene. And, yeah, all these monsters are, like... You've got the werewolf, you've got the you've got the freaking headless horseman from New England. Yeah, yeah, so it could be, like, a... And also, it's, it's left Mexico in this, like, desolation... But also, it's 1965, because literally you have, like, one of the damsels in distress in her bikini at her beach house 
with her uh her her, her, her like galaxy 500 or whatever yeah it's like a yeah galaxy. and it's like and the this cowboy just walks up and no one's like this is weird you're in the wrong movie uh it's got a lot to say and i'm not quite sure what it is that it's saying but i love it dearly what it's saying is put my head back on my body <laughs> so i was trying to think what it's comparable to on our list and what it reminds me most of is the joy i get from a seven brothers versus dracula uh kind of movie mm -hmm. a um seven golden vampires uh but i wonder if that's almost too low um i would class this in terms of just what the hell did I just watch? In that realm, yeah, Seven Golden Vampires is in there. Um, did we, we put Fantasy Force on there, right? Yeah, but Fantasy Force is way too low. I'm yeah. thinking this is actually in the... Um, towards the, the mid to top of the list. Okay. It's very good. Um, it is. It's, it's just a really good time. I wonder if it's better than... Oh man, here's the here's the problem. Right. Seating of a ghost is number one hundred four, mm -hmm. and that movie is so fucking wild. It's hard to really say much exceeds it. Mm -hmm. Vampire Doll is number one nineteen. I'd say it's better than Vampire Doll. I can see that, but How Sue is right above Vampire Doll. And that movie is just such a wild ride that I don't know if this can really go above it. Rider of the Skulls is not the cinematic achievement that Haosu is. No. Not by a long shot. Though they did a lot of amazing stuff with what they had, which was, I think, about $500. Yeah, but I think one of the things I wonder is, are we really looking at cinematic achievement or just the feeling mm -hmm. that you get? This movie makes me feel like a kid again. Oh, yeah. Like, thrilled to watch a movie. And it's very much a late-night television, drive-through style um, horror movie. Yeah, this would be the sort of thing you would catch on TNT after Joe Bob Briggs went off the air. During that liminal space between Monster Vision and Ultraman coming on. Yeah, and you're like, what is this? I have to know more about it. And I gotta say, I want to find more movies like this, if there's even anything in this weird space. I think there's a um, there's a Turkish killing movie that's killing as a as a cowboy. Okay. But that's probably the only thing I can think of. Three Dev Adam be. might fall into this same Three Dev Adam's probably in the same. Where uh, Spider-Man murders a lady with a boat motor? Yeah, probably. <laughs> but this is, it's it's kind of very good. So I would say that it's actually up a lot higher near um, the original Black Christmas. Okay. So right above Black Christmas is Taste the Blood of Dracula, where a bunch of guys... Taste the blood of Dracula. Yeah, they cut up and snort Dracula like cocaine. Um, which would you rather watch on... It's it's literally... Uh, we're recording this on a Friday night. Friday mm -hmm. night test. Would you rather re-watch 
uh, Rider of the Skulls or Taste the Blood of Dracula? I'm just going to say Taste the Blood of Dracula is not the best Hammer Dracula. It is not. I don't even know if that's in the top three best Hammer Draculas. But... I would watch Rider of the Skulls. Yeah, yeah. Now, I will say uh, nobody snorts Dracula blood. That's true. But... They do fucking spear Dracula with a tent stick. They do spear Dracula with a a pole, and Dracula is a Batman with... A a, man bat. Yeah, a man bat with fuzzy bat ears. (laughs) Also, the, like, zombie-style headless horseman head in a box is, like, the best, worst special effects I've seen in a long time. It's so, so good. He puts the head back on. He's just wearing that damn prop. <laughs> so I would say that. So at number ninety four is demons. The uh, the Bava uh, Argento monsters in a movie theater movie. Um, I would argue that Rider of the Skulls is just. Almost as good as Demons at number ninety four, but better than Your Next at ninety five at ninety six. That does put it below Troll Two, though. That does put it below Troll Two, but I feel like Troll Two is a whole different experience. Okay, and I feel like Troll Two is probably a little bit more essential than than Rider of the Skulls. Although Rider of the Skulls is delightful, it is great. It does pain me because it does put it above Demon Knight, uh, which has, you know, Billy Zane. But, you know, we got to make sacrifices sometimes. There are better movies with Billy Zane in them. That's true. There are. So we're going to put in the Phantom. El Charo de las Calaveras, uh, a.k.a. Rider of the Skulls, at number 95. Good job. Top 100. Yeah. Let's take a look at... I made you watch something that wasn't bad. I know. We cracked the 100s. So let's take a look at our um, Tumblr Ask Box and see what is being requested by our listeners. So here is a question. Anonymous on Tumblr says, If Old Boy counts as horror, then where should it go on the list? Now... Is Old Boy a horror movie? I've only read the comic. Okay. The comic does not count. The comic does not count. I would say the film does not count either. It is a revenge film. It's a gross film. It's a gross film. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. But it's not really horror as much as it's just transgressive and gross. So even though... You know, please save your emails. I know Audition is on the list and all that. But I don't really think it counts. But thanks, Anonymous. Um, that's a good good suggestion. And definitely watch Old Boy, I guess. Yeah. Like, I, everything I've heard says watch it. I just haven't yeah, gotten to it. Yeah, it's good. It's just, you know, it's Isn't, not. Wasn't there a Will Smith remake of that? Uh, it was not Will Smith. Oh. It was... Um, the guy that played uh, the dude that shoots Harvey Milk in, in that milk mm, monitor. Okay. Um, oh, Thanos. That guy. Josh Brolin. By the way, Josh Brolin not only plays the dude who shoots Harvey Milk in the milk biopic, 
but also plays Thanos. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Disney owns everything. <laughs> Kyle, thanks for coming and uh, hanging out tonight and watching ridiculous movies. Uh, where can our listeners find you on the internet? You can find me on the internet on uh, Instagram as at nonplayable, which is mostly pictures of my cats. I have a Twitter, but don't look for me on Twitter. My Twitter is terrible. Uh, I just have panic attacks on Twitter. The Instagram cats are very good. You should go check them out. Check out uh, hashtag put your foot down Ellie for pictures of the beach ball with her leg in the air. Yeah, it's it's a very it's good precious. hashtag. It's <laughs> one that I have uh, Google alerts on. Um, you can find Rank and Vile all over the internet as well. We're on Instagram at Rank and Vile. We're on Twitter at Rank and Vilecast. If you have a request, you can send that to our email address, rankandvilecast at gmail.com. If you just want to say, hey, you could drop us a line there as well. If you'd like to advertise or um, have your film reviewed on our show, you can also uh, talk to us on Gmail. We are on Tumblr at rankandvile.tumblr.com, and if you want to request a movie, uh, you can drop that in our ask box there. We're also on uh, YouTube at rankandvilecast, and um, we might be looking at other social media platforms as well. Uh, So if you have a social media account that you really like and we're not on it, um, let us know. And we'll uh, look into what it takes to expanding our, uh, our coverage and stuff. Gotta get on Vero. Yeah, gotta get on Vero. Friendster. Guys, guys. Vero is gonna be the next big thing. I, I really feel it. It's, it's gonna be great. Uh, Ello? Uh, have you heard of this thing called Ello? It's very good. <laughs> is there a Reichenbach on LinkedIn? I'm gonna look that up. I'm gonna connect with you on LinkedIn. Man, what if, what if there was a you know, there was rank and vile on Vero for like five seconds, and then I realized that it was uh, owned by a guy that was very ethical. But anyway, thanks for listening, y'all. Be safe. Don't get murdered in a cabin in the woods. And we'll see you next week. Next week, Tinkerbell at the show. She is the only survivor. <laughs> Good night.